Ryan. Morning, James. How are you doing? I'm doing really good. All right. April 2023, moving right along. Winter's finally gone. You That's nice. Maybe here in Michigan. I think UP had some snow days. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of volatility getting through that transition to summer. <laughs> That's right. It just makes it sweeter when it comes. <laughs> right. Um, well, we got a few topics like usual to go through. Mm-hmm. And I guess we'll kind of start right off the top. Yeah. The market. How did it look? Yeah. Hey, April was, uh, I mean, look, at there's volatility all over the place. But uh, we came through the month. S&P 500 delivered a little bit north of uh, 1.5%, so top 500 companies in the U.S., mm-hmm. and the bond uh, market as measured by the aggregate bond index, so just a basket of diversified bonds, finished uh, positive as well, about 1.27%. Uh, so, again, it was a good month all around for those core asset classes. Yeah, kind of inching along anyway. Yeah. You know what? Shoot, you take uh, 1% a month. I don't think anyone complained at the end of the month, right? Right, exactly. Well, we don't normally like to just focus on the markets and what they've done, and we got a lot of stuff going on in the economy. Yeah. So if we were to look at an economic update rather than just the market, how does that look? So I believe what you're trying to build out is there's a difference between the market and the economy. Yeah. And so it's this, uh, the old idea of, well, is the tail wagging the dog or the dog wagging the tail, right? Right. So that's kind of where you got to build it out and say, they're not the same. You know, the financial markets are, again, correlated to the economy. They have knock-on effects. Maybe they're cousins, right? But they are not the same. So one of the things that has really challenged our Federal Reserve, go figure, uh, the discussion (laughs) goes back to the Fed, but has been the strength in the economy. The economy, you know, the markets went through a very challenging, so financial markets went through a very challenging 2022, but the economy really has remained resilient and strong all the way through. And so it makes the the Fed's job quite a challenge because their goal is to weaken the economy such that inflation comes down, the market's trying to anticipate those movements. But all of the Fed's actions really has not um, broken, especially the labor market. Mm-hmm. So we are seeing just very, very, very low unemployment prints, which means that most have a job and those that want a job could find a job. Right. Therefore, they would have money to pay the price for whatever they want to charge for eggs. Making money and spending money. <laughs> exactly. So it puts this pressure on prices across the board because the consumer's healthy. Yeah. So just realize that, uh, that the even with the Fed trying to weaken that consumer and uh, really kind of slow that economy down, it's proven so resilient. And it might be how the Fed chose to stimulate and stave off that COVID impact. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we'll, we'll spend some time with that into the future. For sure, for sure. So looking more present, you know, I think sometimes when we do this podcast, we have these discussions, it's stemming from conversations we have with clients. Yeah. And I think one of the big topics we've been hearing is, oh, well, what's going to happen with the dollar? What's yeah. BRICS doing? Yeah. What is BRICS? Right, right, right. <laughs> so one of the things that we try and do um, in this communication is just say, what's on your mind? Let's try and hit it. So we really tried to dig deep and say, what are some of the things that have teased out in conversations with clients right. within the last, say, two, three months? Yeah. One of those is, well, what happens if the dollar is destabilized and it's no longer the world reserve yeah. currency? What do I do? Well, guess what? You've been managing money for a while. So have I. We've heard this before. <laughs> we've heard this before our, our whole career yeah yeah you're right <laughs> I mean, I mean, and, you know the the drumbeat got loud in kind of that uh, I don't know 2012 to 2014 time period mm-hmm. but 
you know, all of a sudden it's like you evaluate the alternatives to the dollar. Mm -hmm. And the dollar is the world reserve currency. So we settle trade in dollars. It's kind of like a common language with uh, cross-border mm -hmm. uh, trade. So anyway, what happens if that is destabilized and dethroned? Well, one of the things you would find is perhaps a less of a demand for dollars weakening the U.S. dollar might do great things for the stock market, but it's concerning because it's not how the world has typically worked. Right. And you have these BRICS nations out there, Brazil, Russia, India, China, so throw South Africa in there. Yeah. They're gonna be the emerging uh, markets not so much emerging anymore, though. Right, really, right. when you walk through that list, I mean, you're seeing some developed nations in there. Mm -hmm. But the bottom line is we would start to settle trade in these baskets, in the basket of currencies. And so that would be the alternative to the dollar. Understand, structurally, the dollar has is so embedded in global trade that it would take a very long time to truly dethrone the dollar as the world reserve currency. Mm -hmm. But if that was to um, start to build momentum, you would see some opportunities open themselves up. Also, you've got to think about we spend dollars here in the U.S. So if the dollar were to diminish in power, understand that, you know, it's a rather sure when you're talking about imports, exports, you'll have an impact there. Yeah. But we are in kind of a bubble. Mm -hmm. So I, I wouldn't dwell a tremendous amount on it. Certainly the headlines have been around for a while. Um, you know, keep in mind, a lot of these uh, emerging economies peg their currency to the U.S. dollar anyway. Right. So logistically speaking, it feels like a sexy headline versus a reality that you're going to see come to roost in a year. Yeah. So we won't be trading and we won't be putting bricks in the banks. That's kind of the next topic is what's been going oh, on. You want to talk banks. about banks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Of course. Of course. Right. Well, and, and again, it all uh, banking, it's a business of confidence. And if you don't have confidence, <laughs> banks not, have an issue. Why not put it um, you know, again, we touched this a little bit uh, in a past podcast. But, you know, when you really look at the issues facing the um, banking industry, it's more of a liquidity timing issue than a liquidity issue. It's a great way to explain it. Right. So what's happening is there's a lot of, um, you know, assets on banks' balance sheets that are under pressure due to the aggressive interest rate increases that we have seen um, from the Fed. 500 points just to the upside. I mean, that's mm -hmm. it's huge. It's mm -hmm. historically um, relevant. Well, what happens is the banks that uh, are trying to keep your money productive so they can pay you a rate of interest, they're dealing in um, very sensitive to interest rate instruments. So when interest rates go up, these instruments show a unrealized loss and that will perpetuate the balance sheet until that security matures. But did you hear what I said? Matures. Mm -hmm. There is a finish line for these balance sheets. There are maturity dates on these securities. So again, the, the banking system recognize what's going on there. It is, there is money in the banking system. It is well capitalized. So what's really happening? Well, it's a confidence issue. You know, the balance sheets um, should be fine. You know, again, if given the time needed for these things to mature and kind of roll off. So we'll continue to monitor. Um, what you have not seen yet is a, a banking run. Maybe it's been a bit of a banking walk, not even a brisk walk, right. not even a valet jog, but it is <laughs> right. a literally just um, one of these things. And I think a lot of it has to do with money market funds and the yield that they're offering. It's now a competition. Right. So why am I going to sit here in a bank that, you know, maybe it's a headline that I'm concerned about, but it's probably I'm chasing a higher yield. So yeah. we'll keep an eye on those banks. But um, I think that we can breathe 
You know, it's not uh, it's not just an apocalypse coming. Yeah. So in the past, we've talked about, you know, well, if there's if you have some idle money or on the sidelines, do we get it in stocks? Do we look at bonds? I know that you just did a video yeah. that I've kind of seen going around. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, what's another option? And you just actually touched on it. Maybe they're chasing it with banks, but with with our idle cash. Yeah. Yeah. And again, if you haven't seen that little video, it's good. Yeah. Um, I got asked to do that in a pretty short t- period of time. So I apologize if it was missing something that you wanted uh, in there. But our door is always open. Phone is always on. Reach out with a question. But the bottom line is when you're um, putting money with a bank, you're essentially taking on the credit risk of the bank and you then get whatever yield you get and you have FDIC insurance. Maybe there's something better out there. Maybe there's something more out there because really when you're lending money to the bank by keeping it on deposit with them, it's an overnight loan. Literally tomorrow you could choose to pull that money out. So it's an overnight loan. Well, what if you thought, well, okay, they're going to pay me 3%. This money market fund is going to be north of four. How is that happening? Mm -hmm. Well, a money market fund is different. What you're doing with a money market fund is you're actually taking an, instead of a loan just to your bank overnight, you're able to diversify and broaden out where you're making those loans. And it might not just be for a night. It could be for a week or something in that nature. Money market funds try to maintain a $1 per share NAV, net asset value. And that makes it feel like a cash-like investment. And it is cash-like, but it does not have FDIC insurance. And it is a security. It's a very low risk security when you look at volatility and stuff it's kind of non-existent Mm -hmm. but there is no fdic insurance but you can capture quite a substantially higher yield in this space and a lot of that has to do with the yield curve inversion that we continue to see play out day to day another topic we can cover at a later podcast right (laughs) the uh when you're looking at that money market stuff right you know i think you and i would both agree throughout our careers, there's been times where you've gotten a little bit, there's been times when you've gotten nothing, and now we're seeing yeah. you know, a little bit more productivity with that idle cash with still that low risk amount. There you you know, so. yeah. yeah, and I'll tell you, one of the indicators I'm looking for uh, some, some positive mindset in the uh, equity market is when you see that money market rate start to diminish, you know the yield curve then mm-hmm. is starting to uh, steepen or flatten out so that's kind of me nerding out a bit here. <laughs> so you're getting but, into uh, that M1, M2. You're getting into that M1, yeah, M2. Yeah, there, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the canary in the coal mine. <laughs> that's right. So ESG. Ah. Clients ask about it quite often. Some mm-hmm. don't necessarily understand what it is. And we thought we would take a second or two just to, what is ESG? Yeah. Right. Well. What am I asking about when I ask my advisor what ESG is? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Is it a fad or something like that? Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, ESG's been around for a while, and basically it's um, it's just this idea of companies having, you know, governance towards, like, societal issues. That's what, I mean, is that the best way to describe <laughs> right. it right now? Because I can give you history on it, but what are you thinking? It's, uh, well, I think to... part of it is, right, it's a marketing tool. Yeah. <laughs> hey, <laughs> we do ESG. Come work with us, right. but we won't get into that. Right. So ESG, I'll just tell you, it, it started in the insurance business. Yeah. So what was happening as uh, corporations needed insurance to cover their liabilities, the insurance world used to give an ESG score. You know, how well are these uh, companies handling the environment, uh, social issues, governance issues? Okay, so they would say, all right, if they, you know, we're going to score, and based on some, you know, this is one input mm-hmm. to c- determine the premium. 
companies with higher ESG scores have less claims, so their score is going to be lower. That was going on for a long time until Wall Street said, hey, what is that? What's that there? <laughs> How can we take advantage of that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it looks like the companies that have less claims have perhaps better stock performance. Maybe there's something to this. So then all of a sudden, the world of finance grabbed a hold of it. And now here we are with it truly being a marketing thing yeah. at this point. Recognize this. At Advanced Capital, whether you like it or not, we're not dwelling upon that. Yeah. You know, good investments will exude uh, characteristics that we certainly are screening very diligently right. and in a disciplined Whole team doing it. <laughs> correct fashion. But um, this is not something that we're we're dwelling upon. So. Before we start looking ahead, you know, to next month, you know, something else that we've heard a lot of is you know this digital currency mm-hmm. that maybe that we're putting out, not advanced capital, but in general. Yeah. So the central bank yeah. digital currency. Um, yet again, this is a fan favorite. Mm-hmm. I've heard, a, I've gotten a lot of questions about this. And yet again, I think the headline is perhaps interpreting a little further than it needs to. Um, yeah. The headlines in the media, at least. If you go to um, any governmental website and look at the central bank digital currency, central bank's website, mm-hmm. you know, I think it describes in a pretty short format what it is. And it's not something that is a foregone conclusion will happen, but it's this idea that when you look at the world of cryptocurrencies, Mm -hmm. okay, it's clear that there's some bad actors there. It's unregulated, it's wild, wild west, but there's an appetite for it. Mm -hmm. And we don't need to get into the, um, the, the, the pros and the cons of these cryptocurrencies, but the bottom line is, our government is trying to bring something that offers those um, characteristics that are ideal into something that is more regulated um, and would be a little bit more controlled in that electronic or digital currency space. So that is the impetus of it. Now, the idea and the question I always get is, well, yeah, but if I put my money into this thing, they can just gone. They can do it anyway. That's right. It, it really, I mean, what it's doing for you from a, you know, giving the government access to your money, there's really nothing there. They have that, yeah. And then somebody might say, well, yeah, but if I have a bunch of cash in my, um, you know, stuffed in the mattress, they can't, you know, touch that. Well, quite frankly, guess what? They can. All they have to do is print a few more dollars, and now you have less it purchasing go as far, power right? in that yeah. mattress. Yeah. And please don't have your house burned down because no one will believe you that you had all that cash yeah, in Don't put it in your mattress. Don't put it in your flu. I, yeah. had, a, I had a client that put it in a bag in her flu. So, uh, well, yeah. anyway, not we won't go to there. Yeah, but so the bottom line is try not to uh, go down the rabbit hole there. Yeah. Uh, but we'll keep you posted if there is some advancement or development well, there. And we're always looking at these things. We're always welcome to you sending those kind of topics, you know, yeah. as we start to gather them. Um, but as we look ahead into May, yeah. you know, I think we got some, yeah. some key dates right early. The, the Fed is in an interesting spot. Mm -hmm. And I hate to go back to them again, but that's what's driving this market. So, you know, the Federal Reserve is seeing hot economic data. They realize that their job is not done. We're starting to see, you know, inflation moderate a bit, but it's nowhere near their targets. Right. So we're going to have to hang on Jay Powell's every word. We'll get a uh, early May uh, interest rate decision. We'll, we'll hear a press conference. We're going to really dig into that. Um, you know, we're also going to hear a lot about earnings. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, you know, as of today, about maybe about halfway through S&P 500 earnings. 
coming in pretty good, but we'll have a full report at that uh, time, you know, for the next podcast. And so that'll kind of help us um, hash out a little more clearer picture into the future. All right. Well, until then, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. We'll see you then.